Good morning. We are this morning, of course, continuing our series on discipleship. And today I get to talk to you about how we are called to die. And we're going to take a deeper look at that. We're going to see all the different aspects and different ways that can be lived out or not lived out, I suppose. Um, But I want to begin by telling you this morning about a student named Ayman. Ayman was a 17-year-old Christian student in Egypt. And he was choked by his teacher and then beaten by his fellow students to the point of death. The reason for this is that Ayman had around his neck a cross, a cross that identified him as a Christian. Ayman is just one of many Christians in recent years who have been killed for their faith in the Middle East. It shouldn't be surprising for us to learn that Christians in that part of the world uh, desire for us in the Western part of the world to be praying for them. What's a little more surprising is to learn the way that they ask us to pray. Because for at least some of them, what they have said is this. They've said, don't pray for the persecution to stop. Instead, pray for us to remain faithful to Christ. The year of 2015, according to CNN, was a year where over 7,100 Christians were killed for faith-related reasons. They say that this is the most in modern history. And so more than ever, Christians today are being asked to quite literally lay down their lives because they are disciples. But this is not an entirely new phenomenon. Because I could also tell you about Stephen. Stephen was a member of the early church, just shortly after the time of Jesus. And Acts chapter 7 tells us that Stephen was a man full of God's grace and God's power. Unfortunately for Stephen, the religious leaders in Jerusalem weren't a big fan of the message that he was preaching. They opposed him, and so they brought him to their religious courts, and they brought false accusations against him. And yet, in spite of this, Stephen proclaimed to them the good news of Jesus. Acts chapter 7 tells us the rest of the story. It says, when they heard this, the religious leaders, they were furious. They gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears, and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. 
On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. I've been reflecting on this story and the story of Iman this week. And I've been asking myself, why is it that Stephen would be willing not only to die for his faith, but also with his final breath to say, God, forgive those who are doing this to me. And I've been wondering why Christians like Iman are asking us to pray in such a way that they're not asking for the persecution to stop. They're simply asking that God would strengthen them and, and allow them to be faithful. And as I've been thinking about this, the answer has taken me to Jesus. Because when we think of Jesus, as we were just reminded a minute ago, as we took the Lord's Supper, really the central event of his life was his death, his crucifixion. Jesus dying a humiliating death on a cross. And you know, when Stephen was being stoned, and when he asked God to forgive his accusers, really, he was just following the example of Jesus, who on the cross cried out, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Jesus died as a servant. He died on behalf of others, and he died in obedience to the will of God. And in the same way, Christians throughout history, like Stephen, like Iman, they have laid down their lives because of their obedience to God. And so the call to die is sometimes very literal. But when we're looking at the example of Jesus, we need to notice something as well. We need to notice that his call to die did not start at the cross. Yes, Jesus became a sacrifice for us on the cross, but his whole life, before and after, it was a life of living sacrifice. Perhaps the best example of this is the night before his death. The Last Supper. The disciples are sitting around. Someone needs to wash the feet. This is the job of the servant. And so, what does Jesus do? He gets down on his knees, gets a towel, gets some water, and he washes the feet. He takes the position of the servant. Jesus himself tells us why he came to earth. And, and how he came to be a servant. He says these words in Mark chapter 10. He says, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so this is the example that Jesus gives us, but it's also what Jesus calls us to. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, whoever wants to be my disciple 
must deny themselves. They must take up their cross and follow me. The Apostle Paul in Philippians looks back at the example of Jesus and reminds us, yes, this is what we're called to. We're called to follow this example. And so in Philippians 2, he says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. The same Jesus who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped. But he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even to death on a cross. These are just a few examples. Um, maybe the hardest thing about preparing the sermon this week is that there are so many passages everywhere which say the same thing over and over and over again. If you read the New Testament, it's impossible to miss. We're called to die. I'll give you just one more. Romans 12, verse 1. The Apostle Paul writing to the Roman church, and he says, Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Maybe I'll approach this a different way for a second. I'm going to give you an image. The image of a cross. It's an image we see on churches everywhere. It's very common. And I just want you to think in your mind for a second, what does this image represent? What does this cross mean to you? I know when I think of the cross, usually the first thing that comes to mind is something on the the lines of forgiveness of sin. Um, Maybe atonement, being made right with God. These are all things that Jesus accomplished on our behalf on the cross. And I think that's right. I think all those things are true and all those things are good. But there's another aspect that I often forget as I look at a nice, shiny, polished cross. And I forget, this is a torture device. This is something intended to kill. This represents sacrifice. This represents death. This represents giving up your life. And so, as I said, this is an image that we find on every church building, but it's also the image that was around Iman's neck, the image that he ultimately gave his life for. And it's what Christ has called every disciple to take up. And so when we think of the disciples hearing those words from Jesus, who had not yet gone to the cross, and he says, take up your cross and follow me, what were they hearing? Come die. And so Jesus does call us to die. And for most of us, that won't be something that we do literally. Although I certainly hope and pray that if one day I am called to do that, that I would have the strength and the faithfulness to do so. But for all of us, we are also called to follow Jesus' example of dying by living our lives as living sacrifices. 
And so I want us to ask ourselves this morning, what does that mean? What does that look like? What does it mean to die when it comes to our money? What does it mean to die when it comes to our relationships? When it comes to our time? When it comes to our possessions? And then just for a moment, I'd like you to imagine with me. Imagine what the world would look like if we all lived this way. If we were all self-sacrificial, if we were all willing to die. Imagine the conflicts and the wars that could be avoided as we took the time to listen to each other and to serve one another and to put one another first as we lived sacrificially in our relationships. Imagine the poverty that could be reduced as we lived sacrificially with regards to our money and our possessions. Imagine how much better our relationship with God could be if we were sacrificial with our time and made him the priority before pursuing our own entertainment. Today's message is a hard one to hear. It's certainly hard for me to stand up here and say it because it's hard for me. It's not something I want to hear. But I hope that as we imagine that way, we can see how it actually is a good thing. How that kind of world would be so much better. This is why Jesus says to his disciples that that whoever wants to become greatest must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. It's because if we imagine a world of self-sacrifice, and I think when we're doing that, what we're really imagining is the kingdom of God. If we imagine that world, and then we consider that as disciples we are being called to die, Well, what we're really being called to is we're called to be pioneers of this new world, of this better world. Because under God's guidance, one day, the world is going to be that way. And God is inviting us to be people that are leading the charge. And so to be the greatest in the kingdom of God means becoming the least. It means dying. So as I've already said, I acknowledge that this is something that is hard. But I hope that we'll do it anyway. This is what Jesus has called us to. If anyone wants to be my disciple, he must take up his cross. Follow me. And so as I move towards closing... I want to tell you to be a living sacrifice, but I don't just want to tell you that. I actually want to give you at least one practical way that I think we can start moving in that direction. And that's this. You need to spend time with Jesus. Read the Bible, especially read the Gospels, where we read 
all about Jesus' life. Pray. Spend time in silence listening to God and his Holy Spirit. But spend time with Jesus. This is why Iman was able to give up his life. This is certainly why Stephen was able to give up his life, and in doing so, to imitate even the words of Jesus. Because he knew who Jesus was. Maybe as I close here, I'll just finish with a story from my own life. A story just from a few days ago um, that I think illustrates this. It was Wednesday. The rest of the staff had left. I was the last one at the building. And as often seems to happen when that's the case, um, someone comes and rings the doorbell. They're hungry and they're cold. We had just very, very little food left, and so I gave them what I could. But the thing that this gentleman wanted most of all was some warm clothes. Even though it was a fairly nice week this week, it was a little bit chilly that day, and he had only a t-shirt. So he was asking for a jacket or a sweater or something of that sort. As far as I knew, there's nothing like that in the building that I could give him until I realized that there was a sweater on my own back. And so I had this moment of conflict. This guy's cold. He's got the goosebumps on his arms to prove it. I'm warm. I've got more sweaters at home. And so I'll tell you that I did eventually give him my sweater. Um, But it wasn't easy. In fact, initially, I'm a little embarrassed to admit, I told him no. I was ready to send him away. But he wanted to use the phone and to use the bathroom and to take a few minutes to warm up, and so I said, fine, that's okay, you can do that. I'll just go back to my office and work on my sermon. And so I'm sitting there working on my sermon, and I'm making excuses in my mind. I think to myself, well, what if he doesn't really need it? He's just trying to get something from me. And then I thought to myself, well, I mean, he's got the goosebumps. He looks like he actually is cold. And even if he wasn't, so what? I'm called to die. I'm called to be a servant. I'm called to follow the example of Christ. Well, no, no, I said to myself, if I gave my coat away every time someone came to the building and was cold, eventually I'm going to run out of clothes. Like, this just isn't practical. I can't do this every time. But then I thought, I've got other sweaters at home. This probably actually isn't going to be a problem where I eventually run out of clothes. I think I'm just kidding myself if I'm saying that. And again, even if that was the case, what am I called to I'm called to be the servant. I'm called to put the other first. And so while this man was off in the lobby out here and he was using the phone, I continued to try and work on my sermon. And I continued to read passages about how I'm supposed to think of others ahead of myself. 
how I'm supposed to be a living sacrifice, how I'm supposed to get up on Sunday morning and tell people that they're supposed to die as disciples of Christ. And then what finally swayed me was Jesus' words in Luke 6.29. Jesus says, If someone takes your cloak, give him your tunic as well. And I thought, he couldn't be talking more directly to my situation. These words say, if someone wants your jacket, give it to him and give him more as well. And I thought about it and I said, yes, that makes sense. If I'm willing to die for Jesus, if I really think that I can say that, then how much smaller of a thing it should be for me to give up my sweater. And if I look to the example of Jesus, who didn't consider equality with God as something to be grasped, why am I grasping my $20 hoodie? And so my point in telling you that story is this. The only reason I was able to carry out this call of Jesus is because I was in the Word. I was getting close to Jesus. I was hearing what he was saying to me. And so I think we need to be doing that. Because if you're anything like me, then without those things, I'm not going to do the right thing. But when I have that example of Jesus, it leads me to a better place. It leads me in the right direction. And so this week... I pray that you would spend time with Jesus, that you would read the Gospels, that you would pray, that you would listen to the Holy Spirit, and that you would go and you would be living sacrifices. That you would sacrifice with your money, that you would sacrifice in your relationships, that you would sacrifice with your time and with your possessions. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that you, God, would send your Son and that you would die for us. And God, we thank you that not only did you die, but you showed us the example of a life that is lived not for itself, but for the sake of the other. And God, we just pray that you would help us to accept that, to receive the gift that you have given us, and then to heed your words and to die, to follow your example, and to live the way that you would have us live. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, my impression is that... uh... God had the right person speaking his word this morning, the things that needed to be heard. I'm grateful for that. Great job, Dustin. That was a blessing to me for sure. One of the wonderful things about living our lives in Jesus is that God wants us to give not just possessions away or sweaters away or even prayer time away, but he wants our whole lives. And it's a privilege and a blessing to be able to give our whole lives to him. And this morning, somebody is going to do that. Ron Cameron has been coming to our church for the last 
several weeks, I don't know, a couple of months maybe. He's been coming to our life group on Thursday evenings here at the building. And I've been able to give him some things to think about and study and about baptism as well. And he has decided this morning that he wants to give himself completely to Jesus in the act of baptism. So we praise the Lord for that. And I can't think of a better sermon... I can't think of something that would fit better with the notion of someone giving themselves completely to die for Christ as the precursor to a baptism. I think it's just perfect the way that this has, has come together this morning. So we're going to have Ron's baptism now. Ron, you want to come up here, please? You can step right there so everybody can see both of us. Ron, it's a, it's a blessing to be here this morning to experience baptism with you. It's a wonderful thing anytime anyone gives their life completely to Jesus Christ. And in talking with you and uh, spending time with you, just listening to the things that you say, you just seem so sincere and ready to have this happen in your life. And I'm just so grateful for that. I want to just ask you whether or not you believe with all your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and whether or not you give your life to Him. Without a doubt. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Yeah. Let me pray. Lord, I just want to thank you for uh, Ron's decision. God, we want so badly for you to work in his life in a significantly powerful way. We want, God, for him to be transformed even as you transform the rest of us to become what you want us to be. And Father, we thank you today not only for the forgiveness of sins that is ours in Jesus, but also for the Holy Spirit that empowers us and allows us to be all that you want us to be. We pray that for Ron, your spirit would come and live in him powerfully. It's through Christ that we pray. Amen. Ron, it's a, it's a glorious and blessed day. Scripture says that when someone gives their life completely to Jesus, that multitudes of angels sing in response. And so today there are multitudes of angels singing. And they are just so thrilled that you're giving your life completely to him. I'm grateful that I have the privilege of baptizing you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of your sins and for the Holy Spirit to live within your life forever. Amen.